Hi, I'm Anthony Taylor, and welcome to season two of the Mental Fitness Podcast, the podcast where you're going to hear from a fantastic range of people about their personal stories and ideas on how to live a great life and look after your mental fitness while doing it. You're going to learn about resilience, emotional intelligence, how to identify our strengths, and what we can do to support our good mental health. Here's a snapshot of what we've got in store for you this week. Being made redundant absolutely floored me. I mean, it was like, it was like, oh my word, what? I took it unbelievably personal. It, it knocked me to the floor. And, and I think because I went so far to the floor, I bounced so high up. It kind of like, if, I'd have, if it had all been okay, I'd have just walked into another job doing what I was doing, but for somebody else. And actually, it made me really reflect on who I am, what I want out of my life, and what can I offer? What value can I give? So I'm really excited to be bringing you series two, and I hope you join us throughout the entirety of this. And as ever, if you like the podcast, please give us a like uh, or subscribe to the show as well. It takes just a minute, but it's going to help the podcast reach more people. Okay, let's crack on with the show. Today, I'm speaking to Joe Wright. Joe is the Chief Executive and Co-Founder of Coaching Culture. Welcome, Joe. Thank you, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you very much for taking some time to join us today. really appreciate it. I know you're incredibly busy. You've got your... Uh, you're planning for your next conference, aren't you, in October? Yeah, we've got a busy time at the moment. We've got, well, we've got a couple of things. We've got um, a brand new software launch, which is a huge part of our business, um, digital. We've got a a whole lot of new products in there. And we've got the conference early October in London. Touchwood, all being COVID well, live human beings in the same room. But I'm not going to speak too soon, to be fair. But that's what, that's the plan at the moment. Fantastic. Well, we'll come on to talk a little bit that, about that shortly. Um, so I want to start off with a question that I ask all my guests, which is what does the term mental fitness mean to you? For me, I think it means about being, um, being and feeling well and in a mentally able state of being. So it's definitely about self-care and well-being. Um, I don't think I've got a slick answer for it, but it's, it's where you, you feel, you know, that that positive sense of groundedness, well-being, um, you're in a good place. You're in a good place um, mentally and probably physically as well in there. I'm going to throw that in as well. The two go hand in hand. It's not always possible to be 100% well mentally or in a great place mental fitness-wise if actually physically things aren't going well. I think they definitely fit together. Absolutely. So tell me, um, Tell me a little bit more about coaching culture, what you're doing and the reason behind it. We're a a team uh, based in the Northwest. We've just had our four year birthday. Uh, We're a team of 12 12 of us from two of us who started it four years ago. Um, And, you know, we're doing we're doing great things. We we literally we started four years ago. um, I was fresh from having done a coaching qualification and kind of had a real, you know, hallelujah moment of this has been life changing. Um, and, and I then got on my soapbox a little bit going, why is, 
professional coaching just available to the top leaders or the execs of the organization and I actually said it's criminal you know we need to get this out to everybody if everybody if everybody understood themselves more their, their limiting beliefs what's holding them back and and just more about what's going on in the mind and the psychology of themselves they could really be more throughout their career and actually coaching creates sustainable change um, whereas you know the odd training course here and the odd this that you know doesn't so um, I was at the time together was a kind of a mutual coaching mentoring relationship between myself and, and Adam who's my business partner and we we just got chatting and 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 he said well what is it and I was like coaching is the answer it is the answer to sustainable change and that's what organizations are looking for and too often organizations have spent time looking at knowledge and skills and not about mindset so we got looking into coaching culture what does this mean and we set up our magazine uh, as part of a community well that became the community it started off as a magazine and, and we were really excited to create a magazine just to see if anybody else agreed with us really we put some great content out there I'll never forget sitting on the floor stuffing 200 envelopes really excited um, and, and more and more people started hearing about what we were doing so we we, we started building this community and we've got just shy I, I keep getting my numbers wrong on this one uh, four and a half thousand people in the community all around the world growing and growing all the time um, and they get the things like the magazine we've just uh, gone to print with issue 11 and it's free so it's free to to join our community so people get great resources like our magazines podcasts webinars framework all sorts of things and more and more people started going yeah this is what we need this is absolutely what we need and, and we then started creating solutions the one about getting over the issue well it was about making coaching affordable and accessible we created a digital self-coaching tool called mindset that's gone down extremely well that's got 24 topics to be coached on including resilience and well-being and emotional intelligence all the great things like that um, and then we moved on to an e-learning solution so we wanted to get coaching out to the masses that was the, the purpose is this isn't about just keeping it for a few people like some sort of top secret jewel. This is about getting it out there to everybody, get more and more people understanding coaching, get leaders and managers having better quality conversations and, and individuals raising their own self-awareness. So it kind of started from there. Um, and, and we're going from strength to strength, you know, throughout COVID, uh, we had no idea what was going to happen. You know, we literally sat there as most organizations did in, in a crisis mode, kind of going, okay, you know, we want to make sure one, our team's well-being was number one. So that was our priority. The team were mentally uh, well and physically well throughout COVID. When we were all in that first sort of lockdown, not knowing whether, you know, the end of the world had appeared, Armageddon was it, we didn't know where we were. So number one was our team. And make sure their well-being was 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 good because everybody was struggling you know not everybody but a lot of people struggled throughout it and then to make sure that you know the business was in a good place to come back to and 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 actually we we kept our community engaged we created um thriving during isolation module and gave it out to anybody and everybody for free so we did stuff to feel like we were doing some good and helping people thriving during isolation and people really welcomed that. So it wasn't paid for. It was just like, look, we need to feel like, you know, and I remember, so we're talking today about mental fitness. I remember when we went live with it and we started getting our first bit of feedback on it. I just burst out crying. I was just like, I just like, this is, so, I feel like we're doing some good here, but it's so important as well. So I felt really, and I remember, I remember the phone call where I was like, Ooh. 
And the person was like, oh my word, are you all right, Joe? I'm like, there's just a massive sense of relief here that we're doing something, you know, we, we, we don't work in the NHS, we don't do good things like that, but we needed to do something to help people with their well-being. And then through COVID, people have gone, oh, I wish we'd have been focusing on coaching before COVID. It's the answer. You know, people can't be sat next to somebody as much doing their work, micromanaging, whatever, whatever. So coaching has, has really, really taken off. And people have rung us and said, we wish we'd had some of your solutions before uh, before COVID. We're definitely more and more organisations are waking up to the fact that our coaching culture is, is the way forward and so many different ingredients to that. But, you know, we we are speaking to organizations around the world now. People want to partner with us. Um, we can get this into our country here. We can do this. This is exactly what should be happening. And to be fair, it was already happening before COVID, but to the kind of astute organizations, whereas the, a lot more organizations are waking up to the fact that coaching makes such a phenomenal difference. And it changes the way people lead and manage. And, and we say here at Coaching Culture, we are changing the way leaders and managers or, or organizations think about leadership and management. We're helping them think that actually it's people. It's about human beings. It's about authenticity, feedback, trust, all the great things um, that make a difference. So that's a probably a waffled answer about who we are at coaching culture but there's so much in there um that you know we love what we're doing it feels like we're on it feels to me like a bit of a runaway train and I'm on the back of it with my fingernails going help we're going <laughs> it, it, the, the brand's growing yeah when it feels like that that's when you know you're right in the sweet spot I think yes yeah it does feel like I shared it with a coach actually about kind of I just said I feel like I'm gripping over our fingertips um and the and it, the train's just going. It's 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 bigger than two of us. It's bigger than the co-founders. It's it's the brand's bigger than the team now. It, it's kind of it's growing its own little um, arms and legs, which is which is brilliant. And I love that metaphor because I think that links in nicely to some of the things we want to talk about in terms of. I think many people, certainly in the last eighteen months, have felt a lot like they're just hanging on by the fingertips with their careers and you know, life and trying to juggle the two. Um, and I'm doing a lot of coaching with different organizations. I was on a call this morning with a, a global company I'm a coach for, talking about the impact that's had and what we're learning from our coaches and what people are telling us and so on. Um, you've been through some trying times. You know, we've had a conversation offline. Um, you kindly had me on your podcast a few weeks ago. Um, and I know we both share uh, in terms of parental bereavement and we've both been made redundant. Just... Tell me a little bit about which of those two came first for you and how did you find dealing with that? Yeah, I think the first one was um, losing my mum. I was 17, um, just gone 17. And, you know, it is still, sing, uh, you know, on its own, the biggest uh, trauma I've experienced in, in my whole life. And, um, and it's still, you know, I still carry it with me today. Um, I remember doing my coaching qualification and whenever I coached, we do lots of practice coaching hours. And whenever I coached anybody who were talk, they were talking to me about bereavement, I, I could feel it. I could feel whenever I feel stress, I feel it here. Um, yeah. and I could feel it. Yeah. In my neck. I always compare. I said, I feel like a pair of like uh, walking socks have been stuffed down my throat. That's that's my little metaphor for what's going on. I could feel it here. And I, and I was coaching people and I could feel it. And I'm thinking, what's going on you know and I said oh I'm going to set up a business called thecryingcoach.com and that would have been me because I was just so resonating um and I spoke to the professor actually the professor of psychology I was like look um 
you know, am I strong enough for this? How, you know, every time somebody talks to me about something that I can, and he called it, um, what it was it counter-transference or, you know, when you're over-identifying with that, that, that experience. And, and he, was it counter-transference? I can't remember back to my coaching qualifications here. Um, and, and he just sort of said to me, have you considered therapy? And I was like, look, my mum passed away years ago. You know, I was 17. I'm nearly 50 now. <laughs> Obviously, getting my coaching qualifications was about 44. I was like, years ago. And, and I was like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. You know, I, I don't need to. I don't need to. And he said, well, what happens if you considered it as your CPD? I was like, oh, when can I sign up? When can I sign up for this? And, and he just said, you know what? you need to he said you know life and he described a sort of a bucket inside he said life drip 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 he said your bucket sometimes fills up and sometimes you just got to empty it and then go again and I thought and he, as soon as he reframed it from therapy to CPD honestly I couldn't I, I was itching to sign up talk to me help me what can I do and, and honestly it was fabulous and it really helped me I'm not sure you ever get over the loss of something so traumatic but it's massively shaped who I am massively shaped who I am and, and I always you know often even think now you know rightly or wrongly I kind of think what would my mum be thinking now you know what would she think and it's kind of like I've still got this sort of innate desire to make her proud and you know she's she's not been on this earth for, for many 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 years and my brother's the same um, but I think the biggest thing that, that how it massively influenced my life so my mum was only 44 when she passed away was that i subconsciously and it was subconscious and this is something I realized on my coaching qualification I'd always in my mind not believed I was going to live beyond 44 what, what why doesn't that sound silly saying it out loud I used to say things if I live that long my language was actually you know people say oh when you do this when you're I'm like, well if I live that long and and it was interesting because my life fundamentally transformed at the age of 44 I was made redundant, which we'll go on to. I did my coaching qualification. I met my business partner two weeks after my 44th birthday. The very same age my mum was when she passed away, my life just went boom. What was your trajectory? What, a, 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 and I don't believe there's any, I just believe it's because I'd been carrying around this thing, like a, a boulder on my back, carrying it, not believing. So I just lived my life in a certain way as opposed to, I got to 44 and I suddenly realized I was still here. In fact, I'm heading hurtling towards my 50th birthday and, and, and I could live it fearlessly. Yes. So it mass it's massively done something for me. There's positives that, you know, have, have definitely come from something so traumatic. And the other one was redundancy. And do you know what? I've never been made redundant. I'd always been Mrs. You know, from school through to university, through to workplace, I'd always been super conscientious, always worked hard 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 and and always done a good job so to be maybe redundant absolutely floored me I mean it was like it was like oh my word what I took it unbelievably personal so how I coach people now you know it's about their their you know removing themselves a little bit from that personal element but I took it so personal and it it, it knocked me to the floor but in hindsight it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me and and I think because I went so far to the floor I bounced so high up. It kind of like, if I'd have, if it had all been okay, I'd have just walked into another job doing what I was doing, but for somebody else. And actually it made me really reflect on who I am, what I want out of my life and what can I offer? What value can I give? 
Um, so it fundamentally changed so much about me as a person. So it's, I'm forever grateful for the experience, but it was the toughest workplace experience I've ever had. And you hear it happening all the time. But if I hadn't been made redundant, I certainly wouldn't have created with, you know, with the team here, with my you know, business partner, something so special. And the value that we're creating in the world at the minute wouldn't be out there. Thank you for sharing those two things. I think they are, they're, you know, I'm sat here listening to you and everything you're saying is resonating. I, you know, I lost my mom 10 years ago. She, she passed away in my arms and, um, and that does leave a massive impact. And I was made redundant again shortly afterwards. Like you worked really hard, organisational change, what that's about. And then sat there thinking, I'm 40, I've just got divorced. Uh, I'm not in a great place financially. My mum's passed away and now I'm redundant and I've got two kids. I'm thinking... What the hell am I going to do? Yep. Um, what really, a bit like you, quite a period of introspection. I'd recently been, been formalized some coaching qualifications. I've been coaching since 2006, but then thought, what am I really going to do for the next 20 years of my career? Because I'm bored of a head of comms. I don't want to do that anymore. And thought about, you know, if I change career and doing what I'm doing now, which we've, we've talked about in, on, on your podcast. But yes, yeah, so it really resonates those two, those two very difficult times, but how we bounce back from that. Tell me what kind of qualities and strengths do you feel you drew on during both those periods? I think one of my uh, one of my strengths is my ability to share and be honest and talk about my feelings. So certainly, when I was seventeen, I needed to draw on I needed to draw on the strength of others for family and friends. I needed um, that support. So very much openly talking, talk, 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 um, and that really, really rebuilt me as, as a person um so sharing you know I didn't get counseling I didn't get support it was literally just support around me and I think as I've got older and I've become more aware of mental health and self-care and well-being and resilience I can kind of tap into new resources that I've discovered but at the time at 17 you know I didn't know about them I did I, I in fact I probably felt really quite alone um, and I remember um, I used to go cycling and there was like a gorgeous cycling and I used to cycle down to my mum's grave and and I remember one Sunday evening it was a glorious evening uh, the sun was shining and I was tootling around on my bike bearing in mind I was 17 and uh, and I remember thinking at the time you know I wouldn't care if I got run over by a lorry at this moment in time I remember feeling like that um, and because I'd be with my mum again is kind of what my, my, my mindset was and I never shared that with my dad, probably until some a number of recent years, actually. And he was mortified when I told him that, obviously, you can imagine. But as I've got older and more aware of self-care, you know, I, I can t- absolutely... One thing that I think I've managed to really do is, is my positive mindset and, and embracing what I have got rather than what I haven't got. So, I, I you know, I'm feeling grateful for everything I do have. And I think my mum's death um has made me realize that you know life's for living you're a long time dead and there's a fabulous book called life in half a second that i recommend to anybody where you you realize that actually we're here so make the most of it and uh, it's a fabulous fabulous uh, read or listen whichever you want to do and i've learned about overcoming limiting beliefs i've learned about uh, kind of believing in myself being positive um as well as the other things such as diet exercise um and recently I felt quite frazzled 
because I do throw myself into work so yeah and and I felt quite frazzled but it wasn't a work frazzle um to be honest because I've now got a really healthy balance um as I think we all do here at, at coaching culture um it's really important to us I felt quite frazzled emotionally because of a I think I shared with you um because of a family member who's poorly a young family member who's very poorly and I felt really you know empty again inside I felt you know I'm human and this is how I felt so literally I'd been procrastinating about a bit of a bucket list holiday as well as COVID thrown in there as well as you know all the other reasons you can get in the way of going on a nice holiday and I literally just booked um, a road trip with my husband and we did the North Coast 500 in Scotland and it was just an absolute you know the sort of thing you wouldn't normally ordinary do I mean I look on a map now and go wow that really is a long way um but it was a out in nature fresh air walking driving um you know seeing beautiful places and and it was a real moment of yeah you know what really need this and it was just kind of just do it but then when I came back I was quite tired because it was actually and and then you know my family members felt like she was getting worse um and so again I felt like I'd been punched in my ribs again so I literally, literally, as an example, this weekend, I just on the Saturday, I'm not, I'm not, I'm always up and about. I've got things to do, whether it is, you know, running or yoga or meeting friends, whatever it may be, I'm always on, on, on doing things. And I literally just laid on my bed pretty much the whole day reading a book. And I had the windows open and it was a gorgeous sunny day outside. And I was like, I should go outside, but I didn't. I had fresh air. I could hear the birds tweet. And I just, I just laid there and reading a book. And, and I just, it just re-nourished me just having that silence, that indulgent mode. I never do that. And other things I do, you know, meditation is an absolute go-to for me. Now, I used to, I would say, I used to do it a lot more religiously and habitually than I do now. I kind of, it's probably my go-to um, if I feel like, ooh, I'll just go and calm it all down, calm it all down. Um, and also walking out and about, listening to, uh, listening to books while I walk in the fresh air absolutely absolutely and you know I, I get my energy a lot from people but actually sometimes I just absolutely need to switch off from people um I need to recharge I've, I've got so much energy from conversations I have day in and day out really do but sometimes I can get home on an evening and I'm literally like I have no more conversation here I you know literally and I know when I'm my mind's buzzing and I know sometimes I can get a bit obsessive I can be listening to books all the time businessy stuff or reading stuff I'm on social media reading LinkedIn and I get all all consumed and then sometimes I just have to go no I just need to switch off from the world and that could be literally watching some mind-numbing tv or a box set of drama you know or, or whatever or music just listen to me I tend to find when I listen to music if I'm sat with my husband he'll be totally zoned into the music whereas my mind's going Whereas if I'm watching something totally nonsensical on TV, that's when my mind can absolutely switch off as well. So there's loads of different things I draw on. I think if somebody said, what will be the one thing for me, it will be my mindset of positive, positive mindset. And I know it's not always about being positive and I know it's not always possible, but actually reframing, you know, what am I grateful for here? A journal and I do write in my journal, what am I grateful for? And I write that down. Um, and it really helps me start my day feeling in a positive way. Um, so, yeah, I've learned a lot more. And I, I wish I knew some of these sort of tips and tricks when I was 17, when kind of when it all all crumbled around me. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing those. And I think you're really poignant and you can just, you know, I can see it, hear it in your voice and I can see it on obviously on screen. 
Um, and I think you make some fantastic points. Uh, I wanted to make that connection between the sort of self-awareness piece and coaching in a moment. But I really like to want to go back a few minutes to when you talked about dealing with the grief and, and reframing that as CPD. I think that's brilliant. I, ju- I love that because I think so many people, if they reframed it differently, and certainly blows because we are awful about talking about how we're feeling. Um, and if we reframe that as actually this is CPD, continuing personal development, professional development, whatever you want to call it, away from therapy. I, I posted about that the other day on LinkedIn. Actually, if we change our language to this, then suddenly it doesn't have so much stigma. And it's not about covering up. It's just about, like you said, reframing it. So I love that. I also love the fact you talked about your, your mindset and the positivity. But also, I think you make an important, you alluded to the fact that that's not some kind of Pollyanna-ish thing that you walk around with. It takes work. You know, a positive mindset and optimism isn't, optimism isn't about everything's going to be working out fine no matter what. Optimism is about choosing a positive mindset in the face of adversity, knowing that you're going to come out the other side of it. And I wanted, you know, you talked about that self-awareness piece. Coaching's so good for that, isn't it? You know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't really need a coach. But actually, it does just improve self-awareness so much, doesn't it? Oh, I just think, you know, for me, I often say, you know, coaching is the silver bullet where you're holding that mirror up to somebody, you're listening to the language and replaying it back. And they go, did I say that? Did I, did I, did I use those words? Really? And actually just peeling back those onion layers and getting just a little bit deeper. Because if you think about it, normal day normal life no coaching conversations happening everybody just moves forward moment to moment we're moving to the next one the next one the next one you don't stop and reflect that feels even indulgent you know you don't stop and think and pause about why why did i feel like that what what caused that what, what's driving that what why am i like that why am i behaving every time that happens why do i always be have that response what is it that my, you know is, is going on inside me that does that and i just think the more we raise our own self-awareness the more we build our own mental fitness i haven't found anything like i said i'm hurtling towards my 50th um i've still got a few months but not many um i can't think of anything in all my years that is as powerful as actually having one the cpd of um therapy and two coaching having that time space an environment in a safe space to talk openly to to feel openly as well and to feel something and be honest i think it's it's huge and i i don't know when or what it is where we suddenly go from being curious and you know wanting to know things about ourselves and playful and as kids to suddenly going i ain't going to tell you anymore i'm not going to speak you know we our environment impacts people in such a way that people stop talking and i'd love people to be more self-aware on so many things throughout their lives i think everybody should do a bit of psychology because it was me when i first learned more about positive psychology that was the thing that was like oh my word i can actually train my brain to think differently here and sort of build my neural positive pathways well i'll give that a go then and that's exactly what's happened i can't untrain them back i've got them everywhere now (laughs) i would say that the brain's like a garden it's going to grow wherever you plant so if you don't plant it and look after it. it's going to grow weeds but actually you can plant the most amazing things as long as you do a bit of tendering to it it will yeah it will do the most amazing stuff and i consistently and constantly get inspired by people who have you know 
what they achieve, how they go about doing things. That sort of feeds my inspiration. So I like, you know, that, but I also look at people and think if others have done it, we can do it too. You know, everything's achievable and everything's possible. It's just how. Have you ever had some of your clients say to you, I know I've had a number said, usually after the first session, I can't remember the last time I've been listened to. Yeah, absolutely. It's that listening space, isn't it? I think that's the, it's that time and space um, to be truly listened to. Well, I actually had a conversation with one of our team yesterday and, and I said, you know, kind of how's our conversation? He just went, thanks for listening. It was just a, thanks for listening. It was just blah, 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 blah. And my ears were like, my elephant ears. I have my elephant ears when I'm in the true full-on listening. Um, it's just so important. So important because we're so busy doing and moving forward. Yeah, we don't get a chance to just listen, stop, reflect and so on. It's, it's so important for managers now, isn't it, in terms of especially more so now we're moving to a more of a hybrid way of working. Conversations I was having with this global company today were a lot around that's the transition from the old style of management, command and control, Bums on seats, everyone can see who's in the office. Do more of a hybrid, having gone from bums on seats to completely virtual, is, is causing a lot of stress amongst people. What role do you see as coaching being so helpful for managers and leaders, given we're going to this new hybrid way of working? I think it's essential. I think if you are a leader or manager of people, I think it's one, a real privilege. It's not something you just add onto your to-do list as like a ticket off. It, it, it's it, it, you you are taking on a very different role from that doing role all the time. It's a privilege, and it's absolutely your opportunity to make a difference and help somebody else grow. That's how I see it. It's helping somebody else grow and develop, um, and therefore I think coaching is essential. I think it's a you know if it was. You know, and you've got kind of got those job specs and it says kind of, you know, these are preferred, these are essential. I think, you know, coaching skills are absolutely um, essential. If you are a leader of people, a manager of people, having that ability to listen, ask great questions, genuinely care, show empathy, give feedback. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that everybody can be more be more but they just don't know how and actually it's that leader and manager's role to kind of hold that mirror up and it's honesty and 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 helping people grow because I just believe people come to work to do a great job actually but they don't always know how and this isn't all about everybody every leader and manager being a professional accredited coach to me it's not about that there's a place for that there absolutely is it's about some simple effective quality conversations giving them the time and space and understanding, you know, having a go, give it a go, uh, because you'd be surprised. You know, I was coaching from early in my career without realizing it was coaching, you know, and I just remember asking somebody, well, what would you do on this situation? What would you think? Because I genuinely didn't have the answers. And they just came out with so many brilliant answers. Like, yeah, I should have asked that sooner. I should have asked that, you know, just those little questions. Um, I think it's essential. I really do. And I think um, it's not, it's not, that fluffy thing that happens over there it's actually powerful and effective thing that can happen and conversation and I'll tell you what is interesting Anthony that four years ago when we started out coaching culture how many organizations say well we'll have this discussion further if you can tell me the ROI so give me the ROI that that conversation stopped 
nobody has, has asked. And I say nobody, somebody's going to ask me this afternoon now. I've said nobody. How do you think it shifted then? Because I know in some organisations, there's still some organisations I'm working with, they're still asking about the return on investment. Um, so how are you seeing that change a little bit? It's really interesting. So four years ago, the, the conversation generally, I mean, some people got it then. Obviously, we had people buying our products, people, we had customers, so people got it four years ago. People have been getting coaching and the value of it for many years. But actually, four years ago, a lot of organisers said, well, yeah, we know it's important, but not now. So it's kind of yes, but not yet. Um, oh, and by the way, PS, can you send us the ROI just to kind of give us a bit more information? Uh, what shifted? More and more and more and more organizations are seeing the value. So more and more are testing the water in whatever guise that may be. Um, I know some have tested with using our digital products as an example. So they kind of go, actually, we can see the value of this. And, and, and you know, for it's, to me, it's about a blend of digital and humans. This is not about replacing all humans with computers or digital, or it's not all about digital. It's absolutely got to be about a, a blend to, to meet everybody's uh, preferred ways of learning and, and all that kind of thing. The ROI conversation has definitely, I, you know, like I said, in our experience, it's really gone down, literally. It's now more people are saying, uh, yes, absolutely, we need this. We should have had this sooner. Some are going, yeah, still thinking about it. But the, the rise of understanding what coaching means in an organisation now is just, is, is absolutely going and going and going. And we'll be there to stay as well for many years because, it's you know people are expecting people to understand about a growth mindset and it's all about mindset and that's coming into schools as well so the kids today are going to be expecting this of our leaders in when they join the workplace in 10 years 15 years time so it's becoming expected now um so i don't know i'm somebody is going to ask us for the roi later today i know they are I think you make a really good point i noticed the difference in terms of i do a lot of corporate training as well as on top of the coaching and I'm blending more of that, the programs with coaching. And since COVID as well, I've, rather than doing one day, I'm splitting them up into shorter sections, sort of 90 minute, two hour sessions, but blended out, uh, rolled out over a number of months with coaching in between, because that's far better than showing up and throwing up a load of content of a bunch of managers in the room one day and then expecting them to go and apply it in the workforce. That just doesn't happen. But if you can chunk it down, and provide them with coaching in between. So I found that our companies are a lot more open to seeing a program with coaching in between the sections to embed that. That's where you get the real behavior change. And as a result, yes, I think for me, they're seeing, they're asking less return on investment. Because they're seeing it. And we're, we're gathering loads of feedback and testimonials at the moment because we've got so many, we get them so hard at hop. We're like, actually, we're getting so many we need to do something with this because actually the proof is in what people are saying to us, the value, the difference that, that is being felt um, in, in the solutions that we're offering um, and the difference it's making in behavior. So, you know, and things like wellbeing, you know, we did a big focus on wellbeing. Uh, we did winter wellbeing. It was in COVID times. We've got mindset and lessons. We've got mindset is all about, like I said before, topics like wellbeing, resilience, imposter syndrome, positive attitude, confidence, all the things that are holding people back. But all, if you've got mindfulness, you've got one on mindfulness. If we got them all, people being aware of them and starting to think about it more, then they're just, just going to be stronger, mentally fitter. 
it's such an important topic that you cover. And obviously I've kind of met you while ever through LinkedIn, but also reading your fabulous book, which I absolutely love. And it's just, it's just such an important topic that, that the organizations have got and individuals have got to look after themselves. It's not just about the organize, you know, people have got to know it themselves and work out what they need as well and what they can do for themselves. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Um, what one great coaching question that you either is a go-to for you or that you've heard? I've got two. I'm going to do what people do to me on my podcast. When I ask them to one, they usually give me five. So you can have two. Um, my favourite is, and what else? Yes. So don't just get that first, you know, I'm not accepting your first answer. We're not like a quiz show where you only accept the first answer. It's kind of, I won't accept you, but what else? So, so that's number one. And number two, I really like this one. What is the, the most simple thing that would have the greatest impact? And you're like, oh, okay, that's actually quite, quite interesting. I also like what's not, what's not being said. Ah, yes, that's a good one. We look because we find that, don't we? You know, the client, the problem the client brings us is never the problem, I find. Yeah, totally. By the time you've asked those two questions and what else and what's not being said, then you start to get to what's really the problem. Yeah, right? what's not being said. I like that. I like that one because then it's like, mm. so that, that, that means you don't have to be a mind reader. You just need to say what's not being said. And then hopefully they say it. Yes. There you go. You got three. I did. I got three. Absolutely. Bruce and Bernard. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's fantastic. Just love so much that we've explored today. We've talked about resilience. You've kindly shared some of the challenges that you've been faced. I think so many of my listeners will face as well in terms of bereavement and redundancy and, and that feeling of clinging on by your nails in your, in your career. And life is so hectic. We're running at a million miles an hour. You've you kindly shared about your personal experiences um, with that. So really thank you for that. I'm just resonating and talking about the power of coaching and how it really is here to stay. Yes. We've seen so many organizations really embracing that now. People are getting the idea that actually it's not selfish, it's really selfful. And it's probably the single best personal development tool that people have access to. Without a shadow of a doubt. And like you said, we've also touched on, I think, the importance for leaders, the, the leaders of tomorrow. They, you know, the, the new generations coming through, Generation Z, they want a, they expect a different way of leadership. And coaching lies very much at the heart of that. They're not going to tolerate command and control. And I, I've seen a few statistics about how something like 60% of the workforce are thinking about leaving their current jobs. There's a massive transitional change going on. And, and managers and leaders really need to embrace coaching to get the most out of their mindset, don't they, and the most out of their people. Definitely, definitely. It's, it's just absolutely, it's, like I said, it's, it's an essential so where people who get who get this now want to learn more about coaching culture and where they can go and how they can access some of these fantastic resources that you have, where can they do that? Our website is www.coachingculture.com. Um, and you can join our community there and that gives you access to our digital resources um, and the magazine and things like that. And then um, connect with either Coaching Culture Limited or, or me, Joe Wright, on, uh, I'm down as Joe Wright Coach on LinkedIn. So I always love to connect with people who are interested and often people may write saying I listen to you on this podcast. So it's, it's lovely to connect with people. And, and, you know, if we can support, we absolutely will, um, you know, because we're definitely here to make a difference. And briefly, this conference, I know I've got some listeners who work in HR and that conference is very much for HR and LD organisational people, isn't it? It is indeed. October the 6th in London. Um, 
I think it's Bloomsbury. It was Regent's Park, but it's changed because of Regent's Park holiday and having a refurb, not because of COVID. Um, <laughs> so we're trying to get face to face October the 6th in London. And we've got, um, we're really focusing on how to build a coaching culture through our updated new coaching culture framework about authentic um, leadership, about inclusivity and belonging, feedback, performance, um, through coaching conversations and the power of trust. So we've got some fabulous topics there that are really resonating and um, we've selling lots lots of tickets and we've got some great names and organizations already on the delegate list. So the magic about our coaching culture conferences is um, we sat down two years ago when we did our first one working out what do we hate about conferences and what do we love about conferences so we tick off all the what we love and that goes into our coaching culture and then we look at all the hate things and go right we make sure we don't do that and we we do the, often the opposite and one of the things that we do brilliantly is there'll, there'll be magic made in on that day in the room people will make connections with people they've never met before um, and they will probably stay connected so um, that's the power of our coaching culture community. Um, so we've already got people now. It can't wait for the day because they know and people will connect on LinkedIn. Um, it kind of just becomes a group of like-minded people who are wanting to make such a difference to their organisations and their own teams and themselves. Oh, it sounds super exciting. Wish you all the very best with that. Thank you. Thank you. Joe, thanks so much for your time today. It's been brilliant to talk to you again. I really enjoyed it being on the other side of the microphone. I'm learning so much more about you and, and your journey and everything, you, all the great work you guys are doing over at Coaching Culture. And now we're out and looking forward to coming up. Please do. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. I really enjoyed it. So here we are again at the end of another great episode. And as always, I wanted to recap on some of the things that Joe talked about today. I always find it's really useful to think about that. I really liked, uh, there's about five or six things actually that I wanted to share today. One of them was that question that, what if we thought of therapy as CPD, as actually our continuing professional development? What difference would that make? And I think that question just opened up a whole different mindset for me um, and thinking about therapy in that way. And I think a lot of other people could get uh, benefit by changing that mindset to that question. The other thing that she talked about was the impact of our internal language. And she shared the story that how she talked in the old days about how she used to believe that her uh, you know, she'd talk as if her life would end at 44, like her mum's did. And actually, when she stopped talking about that way, that's when her life really took off. And I don't think we realise sometimes just how much in our internal language has a massive impact on our outward life. And a lot of that language we're perhaps not consciously aware of. So maybe thinking about your own language. What are things and assumptions that you're making about your abilities or how life is meant to be? that need challenging and how actually if you did challenge that, what difference might that make for you? She also talked about how redundancy was in hindsight the best thing that happened to her. Um, yes, it was the toughest workplace experience, but she was really grateful for it. And the third thing was she was very refreshing when she talked about how, you know, now talking and, and seeing talking and sharing is very much a strength. And I absolutely agree with that. You know, the, it's um, when people do that, when people realise that, it can be very helpful. And then lastly, why does stopping and reflecting seem so indulgent when actually it can be so helpful? We run around at a million miles an hour most of the time, trying to juggle so many things that we don't actually feel we're doing anything well enough. What actually if we just learn to stop, learn to say no a little bit more and actually rested and reflected, 
because so much great insight can come from that and it is central to looking after our well-being. So some great thoughts there from Joe. I hope they resonate with you as well as did the rest of our conversation and I'll look forward to seeing you and hearing from you hopefully in between but I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode and if you haven't already please subscribe. It only takes a moment but it makes a massive difference to the visibility of the show and how many people we can reach. You know, our mission is to help people develop the mental fitness so that they can achieve more than they thought themselves capable of. So it'd be great if you could do that. A big thanks to Charlotte Foster Podcast for her hard work on producing the show. You can connect with her on LinkedIn. And the music for show is Where to Run by Strength to Last, created by the musical talents of Adrian Walther, a Canadian living in Nashville. Check out his music on Spotify and YouTube Music. Thank you.